Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that aims to support people living with herpes or struggling with navigating the stigma. One of the things that we are currently advocating for is the integration of the lived experiences of individuals who uh, have gone through a diagnosis into STD prevention efforts and sex education in order to minimize new potential infections. Uh, my guest today, we actually met today. Uh, you sent me an email through the website. I don't know if that was you that followed me on Instagram too, but the names look very similar. Okay, it was you. All right. <laughs> um, and we started having a conversation and the conversation seemed to go in the direction of uh, that. I was just like, oh, are you open to a podcast recording? And I'm so glad that it was able to work out. We were able to hop on here. So like, I know a little bit about your experience, but um, I want to give you the space to be able to tell it. So I guess we'll just start with um, what made you reach out? Um, desperation, the gift of desperation made me reach out. Yeah. Desperate for what? Um, I think connection, desperate for connection. Mm -hmm. This is a pretty isolating thing at the beginning and I'm ready for, I'm ready for a solution. Yeah. How long have you been feeling isolated? Um, well, I've largely, I mean, since it all began, I think, um, it's a very hard thing for me to open up about, for me to share, you know, that I, I struggle, um, with vulnerability, uh, since, you know. You don't seem to struggle with vulnerability. Like, when we were talking, it seemed like you were very receptive to sharing, uh, these very intimate details about yourself, like really freely. I don't know if that's just like a, um, if you just felt safe in that sense, because I also yeah. have herpes or to me, it just felt like, oh, it was so natural to you. Oh yeah. So like if it's, if I'm speaking to somebody that who's like, you know, disclosed already and you know, the common struggle is there, it's so much easier. Um, but to, to disclose without knowing that somebody, um, you know, shares, um, you know, a common struggle is really hard, really scary. And, um, I've struggled with it for a long time. Yeah. And you mentioned, uh, since you found out about this, how long ago did you find out you had herpes? Um, it, I found out five year found out five years ago. Okay, and what was going on for you in that time? Were you in a relationship? Were you single, or what? Yeah, I was in a relationship. I was in what I thought was a <clears throat> a relationship, a committed relationship. Um, he was my my third boyfriend. I was, you know, I was twenty seven at the time, mm-hmm. and um, you know, career oriented, hardworking. Uh, dedicated and um, thought I was doing the right thing um, I'll let you ask me questions before I fully go down yeah alright well you're doing great <laughs> you're fine uh, you said like you were you were career oriented and everything or were you talking about him well we both were um, you know um, yeah I was I mean I'll just go ahead 
forever. I hope my goal in disclosing and sharing this for whoever is listening is that they feel like they are, you know, normal. I know I struggled with feeling like I was abnormal. When this all happened to me, I was, you know, in a very successful career um, in public accounting, um, you know, seemingly normal upbringing. Um, You know, I was taught to, um, you know, be careful when it, in regards to sex, to be in a committed relationship, to not be sexually active, um, you know, outside of a committed relationship. And, you know, my parents always taught me to um, ask the question before intimacy, you know, like, are, is the other person, you know, safe, like, you know, always use a condom, um, because, you know, the threat of an STD and STI was real, and so my parents filled me, I think, from a very young age with a lot of fear in regards to that, so I had, I was in um, what I believe to be, like, a, a committed relationship, I considered my boyfriend, and um, we had the ex- exclusive conversation, and um, we were always using condoms, and I thought that was really strange, um, that he kind of insisted on that, and or I, but I didn't want to assume anything, and so one day I decided to ask, you know, hey, like, I'm clean, are, are you clean? have you like gotten tested? Like we've only been sleeping with each other. I thought, you know, for like six months, like why are we using condoms? It's silly. And, um, I know people who don't use condoms six hours into the relationship. You telling me y'all was six months wearing condoms? What? Every time did y'all wear condoms every time over that six months? Yeah. Like, yeah. Which was really, it was strange, but I kind of like, when, when someone does something like that, you kind of just trust it. You're like, well, uh, maybe he's worried about pregnancy. Like, I at that time, like, I was not on birth control. And so I just, like, I chalked it up to, like, not, like, not wanting to get pregnant. And so, yeah, when I finally asked, like, the question, like, are you safe? Like, are you clean? Like, and he told me, yes, I believed him. And, um, so that day, like we didn't use a condom and I was like getting ready to leave on a pretty serious business trip to San Francisco and, um, or the next day I was, and, um, it was so wild, um, because it happened instantly. It, like the, the first time that we didn't use a condom, um, my body reacted um, not in a good way. And so I was out of town. I was set to be out of town for two weeks. I was in serious board meetings with CEOs and CFOs of large publicly traded companies. And I was having internal panic attacks. And I was... I didn't know what was going on. I, didn't, I don't. I think maybe for a woman, it might, maybe the first outbreak is different. I don't know, um, but it was really hard. Yeah, and was your outbreak internal? Yeah, it was internal, and I had no idea 
it actually was on my cervix, so I couldn't see anything. I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea what was happening to me. I thought I, I thought I was dying, and I certainly didn't think it was an STD or an STI or any whatever. Like, I, I had no clue mm-hmm. what was going. And so, how long did it take for you to get any sort of treatment for it? Um, two weeks. So I suffered for two weeks, probably longer, probably two to three weeks. I was like, this is, I'm so uncomfortable. The distress was real. Um, I was out of town and I wasn't able to see my doctor be like until I got back into town. And, um, yeah, that's how that happened. During that two weeks, were you two still sexually active? Um, I think he actually went to the Cayman Islands. Oh, okay. I think, like, right when I went to San Francisco, um, he went out of the country. Okay. And so he, and he told me he would be gone for, like, a month. Oh, wow. All right, and how did you approach the conversation with him? Um, I guess over that time period where you didn't seek out treatment, you probably didn't think that this had anything to do with him, but then when you kind of realized that maybe it is, or when you got treatment and you realized that this was sex-related, knowing that this is the only person you'd been with over the time that you'd been together, how did you bring it to him um I think I texted him my doctor my OBGYN was like the one advocating for me I had known her since I was um very young and um at this point I was 27 and um she was like this is a recent contraction whoever did this to you oh you say he's your boyfriend you need to contact him immediately um, this is not okay, and uh, yada, yada, yada. So I was, I went through all, I felt like I went through all the stages of grief. Like, I was really angry. And I, at the time, I was like, I was best friends with his younger sister. And um, how, old at first, how old was he? Yeah. He was a year older than me, so he was 28. Okay. And, um, at first he like, at first he didn't, he like weirdly was like, oh, that makes sense. And then he was like, but how do you know you got it from me? And I was like, what do you, what, what, what do you mean? It makes sense. Like, and what do you mean? What, what are you saying? Like, and I finally reached out to his sister and she said, oh no, he's had it for 10 years. Like the whole family's known he's had it. And how did that make you feel? I was gutted. I was absolutely gutted. Like, I was lied to. I was, yeah, I mean, I was, it was so hard. Mm -hmm. I think that, and I had never, like, struggled with, like, I had never, you know, by the grace of God, I never, like, grown up with, like, sexual abuse or anything like that. And um, so this was, like, my first like really traumatic experience 
sex. Um, and it was with someone that I trusted. And, um, yeah, it was really hard. Yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing that. This is a very, I guess, like, I don't want to say, like, it's a very difficult thing for you to talk about, but it seems like maybe this is the first time that you're feeling safe enough to go into more detail than you may have in the past. Uh, so I want to just offer you, like, if for any reason you need to stop talking about a thing, you know, you can just hit me with this gesture of, like, stop, all right? You can put your hand up, you can say stop or pause. Like, I can pause the recording and then we can come back to it. Um, but, yeah, don't feel like you have to say anything that you don't want to say. Um, and, yeah, if we're just going in a direction that you don't like, you can just let me know, okay? Thank you. Cool. Uh, so, is that what you meant when you said that other people said that you were assaulted? Yes. Okay. I thought something way different. Okay. So with that said, especially everyone knowing except for you, how did it feel to hear from his sister? Hey, everybody knows. I'm surprised you didn't know. Do you feel like it was anyone's place to tell you that information? Well, um, not everybody. It was just his immediate family that knew. And she said, her and I were really good friends, and she said, when you guys first started dating, I wanted to tell you so bad, but I was afraid. She was afraid? Did she say what she like, was afraid of? I, like her brother. And she was like, I was just praying that my brother would do the right thing and tell you. And to full disclosure, like, I, I didn't go around, like, proclaiming that I was assaulted. But what I came to find out or, or to learn just about things like this is that when you ask somebody to be honest about STDs and STIs and you're in a committed relationship and they, they're they not honest and they actually end up transmitting something to you knowingly, we have to know now as carriers that it is assault. Like it's not... you're you withheld information from somebody and you're potentially giving them something that they will struggle with, struggle to come to terms with. And in that way, we can classify it as assault. Would you say that your diagnosis has impacted your mental health? Thousand percent. In what ways, if you're able to speak to any specific things that have happened? Um, well, I think first and foremost, at I think talk, being able, the free will and being able to talk about it is a very therapeutic thing. Um, and I think it just in not being able to talk about it led to a lot of depression um, in me and um, shame. And I think that, yeah, mm -hmm. we went down the road. Yeah. Uh, I hear regularly from people who get this diagnosis 
and I think it's very rare that they're able to have like such an experience as you where all right you got it and you know that this person had it and you know that this person knows that they've had it there's someone uh who actually wrote a book she ended up able to prove that this person knowingly gave her herpes and um from there she was able to take legal action and in our conversation before we got on this podcast you mentioned something about a non-disclosure agreement are you able to talk about that because she couldn't talk about it um at this point in my life yes i did sign a non-disclosure okay that was that was part of my inability to talk about it is that i was legally bound Um, for how long for two years and it's been two years correct it's in five. Okay. So I'm so glad that we're able to talk about this because I, I have so much curiosity around what that looks like. And I guess, how do you not talk about it for two years? Do you not talk about yourself having herpes? Can you not disclose that you have herpes to other people? What What were the details of this? Like when you say not able to talk about it? Yeah, that the repercussions of that meant that when you, I mean, when you, Oh my gosh, the repercussions of not being able to talk about it. I mean, for him, they were because he wanted to protect his 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 public persona. But is he famous? Me, huh? Is he famous? Oh, he wishes. All like, right. come on. <laughs> um, for me, they were much more severe. That meant I I couldn't, in my right mind, sleep with anybody. I couldn't, in my in my right mind, do what he did to me to anybody else yeah let up like in a safe way and i just because i knew like how living with this in silence like just how much it tormented me like i could never do that to somebody else um yeah so i that's did i answer your question so did he approach you with this NDA? At what point did he come after, come to you and say, hey, I need you to sign this? Um, it was, it was really like with, within, I, I, it was after I found out that I had herpes, I went to him and I, I told him and that I knew he had done this and I knew that he had known that he had had it and he, chose not to disclose this when I asked him if he was clean and um he said okay fair enough um I'll give as a you know as a consolation prize I'll give you this more or less hush money but you have to sign an NDA and not tell anybody how about much, me. How much was the hush money? Can you say? Or it, you don't have to if you don't want to, but I'm it just... Was, let me just say, it was not enough. Okay. It was not enough to prevent me from still struggling with my mental health. Why'd you sign it? I don't... I didn't... Uh, that's a great question. If I could go back in time, I would have gotten a lawyer and I would have sued him and I would have made it public 
and I would have gotten a lot more money. But I was really having a hard time. I was really struggling. I could barely function at work. Um, it was almost like I was struggling with like PTSD. Um, I thought like life was over as I, as I knew it. Yeah. During those two years, did you continue a relationship with him? No. Okay. And I guess how were the payments made? Was it just one sum of money or did he have to pay over time? He paid over, (laughs) over a period of time. Okay. Did he make all of his payments and honor the entirety of the agreement? Mm-hmm. I, did. I'm curious. Like, I'm, now I wonder if he just has these on deck to where somebody calls him out. He's like, all right, here, sign this. I'll give you this money. And like, just have like a savings account for when this happens. I hope not. Oh. I'm, another girl actually ended up reaching out to me. Somehow she found out about the whole situation. He and I. And she said, oh, guess what? He did the same thing to me. And I'm taking him to court. <laughs> Oh, so she probably can't talk about it then. Hey, you, you should give her my Instagram and tell her to hit me up. I am so curious. Because... It wasn't in the same year as me. Wow. And so, anyway, let's just say I love public accounting and I went on a whole just, I went to Asia and I just, I just was searching for a higher power greater than myself. And we went searching for understanding and, um, serenity Mm -hmm. well if you want to go down that route we can absolutely go down that route and like speak more to that experience as well i do have like one more like surface level question if you don't mind Uh answering um so (laughs) this came up as you mentioned asia but he gave you enough money for you to be able to quit your job and go to asia all right (laughs) how long were you there for um I went for three months. Okay. And then I, I would have gone for longer. I don't think I would have ever come back. When one of my girlfriends was like so insistent that I come back for her wedding, it was she was just so pissed that I was having like a, a, a different life experience, and she was like, "Come for my wedding, go, okay. or else I'll we'll never be friends again." And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" So I go back. She's now divorced from this marriage. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, two years of an NDA. So do you not have sex at all? Do you not date? I didn't. I didn't for two years. I didn't. Listen, this is like I I'm I'll be fully raw, honest, and all of this. But I want I want this to help other people in the end. Mm-hmm. Want to know that they're not alone. And um, this is this was my personal experience, and I don't believe that this stigma should should be the same going forward for people that are listening um and i would love to talk anybody through this experience if they ever if they are ever struggling but i i went from being like i'll just highly sexual in my relationships to i didn't touch myself i didn't touch a man every time a man and like i had pursuers i had gorgeous men in asia following me from country to country i'm like I just, I couldn't, I couldn't be vulnerable and intimate and it was really hard. It really impacted me. Yeah. Was it an intentional period of celibacy for you or was it just, I'm under this contract and I cannot 
say anything, so I'm just not going to put myself in that position. Um, it was, it was, I, I think there, it was a, a plus some self hatred. You said. I think I. Did you I say no you, longer? Did you say it was both? Myself. Did you say it was both and some self hatred? Okay. Well, we started to freeze a little bit. That's why I asked you to say it yeah. again. I didn't know what happened. But we're good now. We're good. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think I struggled. I struggled to find myself attractive anymore. Oh. And even with the validation or pursuit of other men, you still didn't find yourself attractive. And that had more influence over you than the validation of being pursued by men following you from country to country that kind of sounds scary they followed you from country to country what you mean by that oh yeah <laughs> i mean gorgeous let me tell you oh my gosh yes like i just i mean my kind of guy i just my i'm okay listen i just have a type and i let me tell you yeah he did and <laughs> So he, I went on a yoga retreat and, uh, that was my next question. If you went to Asia because of yoga that I was, I was going to get there. I was going for that eat, pray, love experience. Okay. I, he owed me God like, make this a little easier on my mind. Yeah. I was looking for that reprieve. Mm-hmm. And did you find that in Asia? Did you find that through yoga? Yes. Tell me about that. Oh, my gosh. Yoga healed me in so many ways. Yoga was like, I can't even tell you. Um, it was like a journey of self-exploration. You know, like how to sit with yourself, with those thoughts that keep you awake at night, that tell you you're not good enough. It was an opportunity to sit with them and to love myself, you know, to send love to the areas of myself that I was no longer comfortable with, to be okay with the new reality that I faced. And yeah, to be fully present in my body again. And it was, it was certainly a journey and it, it took a lot, but I learned so much and when I came back home like I had a whole new embodiment practice of self-love yeah that's amazing um and the reason I wanted to go down that path with you is because I was diagnosed 10 years ago and one of the things that I found on the internet was to manage your stress levels and that yoga was something that was helpful with this so I started practicing yoga consistently over the years and it was in 2019 at the end of the year that I pursued a yoga teacher certification and I thought going to yoga was good for me I didn't know why the yoga teacher training showed me more of why I was feeling good about yoga and it allowed for me to let that translate into other areas of my life and <clears throat> while yoga is on the surface you stretch you maybe get a little bit of exercise from it and you're moving the big thing about yoga is that it makes you have to be still it makes you more in your body it makes you more in your 
awareness and stillness is very uncomfortable. I remember for myself, like having to just lie down in Shavasana for like three minutes. And this was the longest three minutes of my life. And I just thought about everything. I was so agitated and there was a fly. The fly is what made me realize the importance of that stillness because I kept hearing it and it was just buzzing around me. And the agitation generated by that fly made me also have these thoughts of things that I wasn't doing in that moment, that I could be doing in that moment. Should I even be here? What am I doing? And when I finally did get through to the other side of that, I had that experience to compare to other times where it's been really hard for me to just be still. And being still means that you also once you are still long enough, you notice that those outside voices and experiences that aren't yours and influences, they begin to just fall to the wayside and you're in much more contact with your own inner voice and you're much more in tune with what it is that you need. It's your voice saying to you, I need this, or it may just be in like a gentle whisper. And the more that you spend time in that stillness, in that state of silence and stillness and nothingness, the more you can hear your own voice. And that voice is so connected with the core essence of all that connects all of us. And in your words, God or that higher power or the universe, uh, whatever people would believe in, that is your most inner voice coming at you from a whisper but you really got to remove the obstacles and the clutter of external things that are going on around you in order to hear that and when you make decisions from that place when you move through from there you notice that there are all these alignments and synchronicities in your life that are most for you that are most true and in alignment with who you are, what's for you, and what your genuine wants, needs, desires are. And you're able to accomplish those things. So that's been something extremely powerful for me personally through yoga. And not only that, but it's also encouraged me to read certain books uh, to identify the opportunities in maybe not all things, but most things. And also be able to identify obstacles and challenges and to be able to work through those from a place of genuine intention and be able to say yes fully or to be able to say no fully so yeah thank you for you know sharing your experience with yoga yeah and i think also like to add to what you're doing courtney i think spreading awareness in this way and fully embracing who you are is like that's a part of the journey of yoga and like what it teaches us to fully embrace exactly where we are in the present moment. And, um, yeah, that's, that's what I would impart on anyone struggling with this. Yeah. Uh, so going through this, you said that this was, whoa, that was delayed. Whatever you just said was super delayed. Oh, really? Yeah. Can you say what you just said? Am I back? You're back. Oh. Yeah, I would just, I think what I said was just um, as soon as somebody can fully embrace exactly who they are, right, where they are, 
and love themselves and know that, you know, vulnerability, honesty, trust, and faith, regardless of the circumstances, is going to get them much further than um, shame um, or lack of vulnerability. Um, I, I think that is is the, the biggest lesson that I've experienced in my life. Okay. Through yoga. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you go through this experience with yoga and you have the experiences that allow for you to connect with your faith and go on your healing journey. My question for you is what did reconnecting with your sexuality look like if you have reconnected with your sexuality? It was a journey. It was a really big, as a woman, um, it was a journey. Um, I kind of have gone, honestly, the truth of the matter is like, I've had some, you know, I think when I got back and when I was able to disclose this, I entered into relationships with like more beautiful men than I had ever been with for some reason. It was like, but quite frankly, they were probably more considered playboys because they weren't afraid of the repercussions of something like herpes because they had already been so sexually promiscuous, um, which is not what I would have normally gone for in my earlier years, but they made me feel so safe and comfortable and normal. And as soon as I disclosed, I guess the past two boyfriends that I have had were literally like, are you kidding? I've had more sex or with women than I can count like under the sun. Like your sexual history doesn't impact me to say the least. And I want to continue a relationship with you. Um, and so, yeah, that was really what ended up happening in my early 30s. And um, I think now I'm just at a point where my sexuality is still very important. But I think intimacy is what I'm looking for. Oh, all right. Let's let's stay here. Let's stay here because uh, I, I feel that very much. Um, in the name of transparency, I can say that over the last year and a half that I've spent in Portland, I've had more sexual partners than I have probably at any other point in my life combined. And that's been about a year and a half. And what I've found through this experience is that what I thought I wanted was sex, but what I've been getting is like itty bitty pieces of intimacy that in the moment, you know, you even realize in moments that it doesn't feel like what I'm really wanting. Like, I don't want to just use a person's body to masturbate. <laughs> like that That's kind of how... Amen. What'd you say? Amen. That's oh, so good. I thought you I said agree. something about men. I was like, no, nah, not over here. I'm sorry. <laughs> Women can do that too. I'm in full agreement. Yeah. And uh, that's that's been a thing that I've learned. And I had a few experiences when I realized that. Like, I realized what was going on in that moment. It was like, oh, you know, I'm going to be honest. Like, I could have just jacked off for this. <laughs> and that's the reality of it. Um, 
the whole thing about intimacy too is that as people who have herpes we often initiate or we have to be the ones to initiate that invitation for intimacy when we disclose our status because in such a predominant hookup culture what i'm finding is that people have to make themselves emotionally unavailable in order to thrive in it because you think about it our next sexual partner is a swipe away uh if you're someone who just is on dating apps you can swipe match with somebody talk to them meet up with them that day that night whatever and you've had you have your sexual experience with them right and in order if, if two people are not on the same page about things, like if one person does want something long-term and one person does not want something long-term, that's a cycle. And in order for you to be able to continue to get that physical need met, in order to not attach so that you can continue to get that physical need met, you kind of have to reserve yourself in a sense. And so I think I've had enough emotional unavailability whether it be intentional or not you know like um people just being in different age ranges or people already being in relationships or uh people being in their healing stages or if they're just not wanting a relationship right now or if they've gotten out of a relationship you know the various expressions of unavailability they really expand across the board and so it's very difficult to have intimacy in this predominant hookup culture and what we're doing is we're saying hey i have herpes and we're putting people in a position where they now have to decide if they want to continue to have their freedom so to speak to be emotionally unavailable or avoidant because now if they do get this from us they will have to go on and have the struggle of do I tell this person or do I not if I tell this person are they going to reject me or are they going to be okay with it what are the mental health uh, repercussions of this how am I going to deal with this I don't know how I'll respond and they have to think bigger picture and much more further down the line than they've had to do in order to just thrive in hookup culture or survive hookup culture being able to just freely go from one partner to the next has that been a similar experience for you I would just like to to say one my past two partners neither one of them miraculously contracted this and we never used condoms the absolute miracle and but two though from a female perspective on this it was what I don't like and I think what the, the most hurtful thing about this is like and I have to take full responsibility because I believe we create our realities like we have the opportunity to choose what our future partner looks like how you know whether we mismanage our boundaries whether we would up I should say whether or not we uphold our boundaries for me unfortunately when I have recently disclosed this I would say with even the past two boyfriends that I've had the craziest thing is it's like it was almost like I disclosed this as a deterrent. Like I was trying to push them away. Like, oh, 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 I'm not good enough because I have X, Y, and Z. They wanted me more. And then immediately, not that I necessarily wanted this, but I was new to sharing this experience. They immediately wanted a sexual experience with me. 
And here, you know, from which is absolutely wild to to me in my mind. But I've now had an opportunity to reflect on my patterns. The most recent person that I have disclosed to, you know, he pursued me in a really big way for a month and a half and like came to another city and, you know, got his own Airbnb per my request. And like, I thought, you know, he was just a trustworthy individual. And so I finally, after being very avoidant myself, you know, kind of, I didn't plan it as I had hoped, but after a glass of wine or two, um, you know, I, I, and he, he was way too touchy feely. And I think I went back to my defense mechanism of wanting to push him away and say, listen, buddy, like I've asked you to stop like aggressively touching, touching me. I'm not ready to go there with you. Um, I didn't even let him kiss me when he visited me out of town and um, then we're in the same city and I let him ki- finally after probably like date six quote unquote hook a culture in my ass um, I let him kiss me and um, then he's just like taking it too far and like t- touching me yada yada and I'm like look like you have to know like this is this is not like fun and games like we're in our 30s like I have herpes like Anyways, while disclosing, I just couldn't stop crying. Oh. I think that's the next lesson in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it, it, oh, but, oh, no, to your point, hookup culture, then whether or not he was okay with it, we still, he, like, seemingly, I didn't uphold my boundary, and we slept together. It sucked. I hated it. I literally said no, like, probably ten times. But I wasn't holding, standing in my worth. I wasn't standing firm to my boundary. And we had sex. And that's just the way it goes. It's a learning lesson. Yeah. You mentioned that you disclosing this made the men want you more. I've not heard that the other way around. So, I mean, I've only heard that the other way around where when... I disclose or when men do disclose they're like oh my god yeah like I want you even more because that was a vulnerable thing and typically we see this absence of or lack of emotional availability or awareness or intelligence from men and it's like the way that we have to go into this sometimes again it's that invitation for vulnerability but it's almost like that would be expected of you to disclose this and to be comfortable with vulnerability but you said you weren't comfortable with vulnerability I think, oh, not this level of vulnerability, not until I fully know that the guy is, like, I'm 32 years old now. Like, I'm not, I I never was into hookup culture, and I don't want to let this diagnosis, you know, put me in the category of hookup culture. Like, I want a good man with a good head on their shoulders that is loving and dedicated and honest and sincere. And... So that means that I have to be loving, dedicated, honest, and sincere. It's sometimes sharing that I'm not perfect, that I also come with a risk, although, God willing, I haven't given it to any of my partners. Like, Are you about to so- knock on the screen? You about to <laughs> knock on the screen? No, <laughs> <Not> the table. <laughs> like, it's a, it's a miracle, but it's a reality. It, I'm not saying, like, it's foolproof, you know? Okay. 
that I guess I want to ask you now this because I think a lot of times I hear about people being open with their sexuality it's different than how you said it you said open with your sexuality or very in tune with your sexuality in relationships can you give me a little bit more elaboration on that like what do you mean open with your sexuality in relationships that may not be exactly how you said it but you said it at sort of the earlier part of the episode I think just open and honest about like disclosing whether you had have something <laughs> like that's to me that means like that, that's the person who gave it to me was afraid of vulnerability was afraid of disclosing this because there is stigma around it and so he was willing to risk that that initial gratification or that that quick gratification for the long-term repercussions okay all right and so this is this means you know when we risk you know being honest about our sexuality being honest about what has happened to us sexually and you know, being willing to allow people to reject us. Yeah. Like that's, that's the reality is like, not everybody is for us, but the right people that are meant for us will stick around. And if what we want is long-term intimacy and, you know, a genuine partner that wholly accepts us for who we are. Of course, first we have to wholly accept ourselves for who we are, but we have to be willing to have open and honest conversations about this. Mm -hmm. So the risk of rejection, the reward, the reward for risking rejection is connection and intimacy. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Um, when you said like being open in your or when 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 you mentioned sexuality in relationships, I, I guess I heard that one a different way, uh, because where I wanted to go with that was, uh, I think people feel like they cannot be as sexually expressive, and I, I because of their herpes diagnosis, and if I were to drill that down more, I think that it comes down to they can't be sexual with everyone that they want to be sexual with. Whereas the way that you positioned it about being as sexual in your relationship, I, I, I want to bring awareness to that because I'm at a place now too where I am wanting that deep, more that more in-depth level of intimacy with someone. And I look around me and in the world of sex positivity and yeah, in the world of sex positivity, it's multiple partners, do what you want, be free and freedom looks different. And I almost am beginning to believe that like we kind of compromise freedom with safety and we are for safety or we compromise safety for freedom. And it seems like in a relationship, someone who's used to having their sexual freedom and being able to share that with whoever they want, that's like less, quote, safe. But if you get into that relationship and it's safe, it's almost like you're compromising your freedom. And I'm at a point where 
I am very actively looking to transcend, transcend this idea of one or the other. And it's like, okay, well, why can't I have safety and freedom? I think safety and freedom are liberation. When you bring those two together, what you have is a liberated person. And it's really about being with someone or people who most allow for you to be yourself and are willing to support you, challenge you, and celebrate you. And so when you mentioned being sexual in your relationship, that was kind of where I was thinking. Uh, I was thinking of what that would look like to people who genuinely listen to this podcast who are like dating, dating, dating. Because I, I feel like the people who date, when you're dating constantly, you get better at dating, which means you get worse at relationships. When you're in relationships and you have the practice of obtaining and being in relationships, you get better in relationships. Like, I'm shitty at dating. I am not good at dating, but I'm damn good at relationships. And I recognize the kind of going back to like the safety versus freedom thing. Like you can either be safe or you can be free or you can find whatever balance and there are going to be some things that are unsafe and there are going to be some things that are not as freeing as you'd like for them to be. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking at like how you have to date to get into a relationship. But over the years, like I think I've just been like very much upfront about like, hey, this is just how I am. This is how I date. Like I'm going to. If I date you, it's like we're in a relationship. And I've seen people really get turned off by that or intimidated by that. And uh, in dating, it's like you kind of have, there's a game that you know is being played and you know that you have to play it in order to get to the point of a relationship. And then you can't just turn that switch on. It's like you build the habit of relating or dating the way that you date or relate. Yeah, that was really beautiful. Oh, I'm, I felt like I really stumbled through that one. Maybe it'll come more clear at some other point, but thank you. I appreciate that. Now, I don't know if it, like, the understanding this whole thing about intimacy, I don't know if it just, like, comes in, it's like it's something that hits you in your 30s. You're like, boom, intimacy. I don't know. Like, and I, <laughs> like, but it has literally just, like, dawned on me. And I, I'd say, like, in the past couple of years, and, May I share, like, my, you know, my perspective on that? Yeah. This show episode. <laughs> well, that is, like, the most beautiful thing about this whole thing is that, gosh, for us to be, like, fully embodied in, in intimacy, it's not about sex. It's a, and so long have I let my relationships be led by sex. It's like, get that out of the, get that out of the way. And then we can proceed with the relationship. Same. But, oh my gosh, like it's, it is mind blowing. Like me, even as a female, I'm like, let, let's just, our sexual chemistry is so strong. Let's do the damn thing get that out of the way and then we can start to talk about like you know the things that we agree upon or disagree on it's like now i'm like old enough to know better and i'm like great okay like i have sexual chemistry with a lot of people that's okay and that's a beautiful thing that's an amazing thing but i'm not 
that's there's so much more to life and there's so much more that life has to offer us if we're really willing to set aside that that sexual drive that we're that's innate in us and and build a relationship that is based on clear and conscious communication and that I think that's like Oh, the you froze. Beauty. I thought you were pausing. You you froze for a second. You said, I think that's like, and I think you were about to say the beauty. Oh, no, that's really where, like, the beauty of conscious communication, like, comes into play. Like, the intimacy is, conscious communication is a beautiful part of intimacy that allows us to grow closer to somebody without having sex with them. And let's talk about, like, a true, having a true and honest bond with somebody without throwing sexual attachment into the middle of it. Like, being our, we are human beings, and being, you know, connected to other human beings in an honest and genuine way is innate in us. And, you know, this, the fear and the stigma of herpes oftentimes prevents us from being willing to, to be open and honest and vulnerable with other people. But intimacy is is like is really it's it's so much more than sexuality like yes you can be sexual with somebody but let's let's start finding people that we can have conscious communication with you know i equated to uh i'm i'm seeing somebody and uh we had this conversation about like how our connection and the intimacy feels like you go out you plant your veggies or you pick your veggies that you've planted you hunt the meat and you cut it you clean it and then you season it and then you cook it over a fire and then you serve it to your loved ones and you share that meal with the people that you're connected to or your village or just you and your person and you eat that meal and it's so nourishing you're full but you're not like unable to move and you're able to like you know enjoy whatever else the rest of the day has to offer um and that's intimacy whereas the illusion of intimacy perhaps through sex is microwaving a tv dinner like <laughs> it's riding through oh, the drive through it's a very that's so good it's a very thoughtful analogy but the thing is like it takes work it takes patience it takes conscious communication if you're gonna plant you gotta if you want to pick those veggies you got to plant the garden you got to dig the soil you got to plant the seeds you got to water it you got to make sure it gets sun but not too much sun not too much water you still have to if you're gonna hunt you know you want to you there's dangers to hunting the meat right and there's all these outlying possibilities but ultimately you are putting a lot of time and work and attention and focus into preparing that meal and it's not just about the food like you're going to be full regardless if you go through a drive-through or if you make this full meal it's just there's going to be much more nutrients in it you may not need as much of it and it's going to be a consistent thing and it's a lifestyle choice you know and you can eat TV dinners and you can eat, you know, the quick meals or whatever. And that's kind of what sex has become to me without intimacy or even just like some sort of like a, a little taste of it, <laughs> a little bit of taste of connection, you know? Yeah. 
Yes, because unfortunately, I think maybe as we get older, like we retreat to ourselves. We don't share, you know, the things that we're struggling with with other people. We just nut. I'm sorry, for lack of a better word. No, no that's good. You good. <laughs> like it's just like you're just masturbating with someone. Like, and life has so much more to offer. And so, if we lead our relationships with conscious communication and we have, we uphold our boundaries and we say, you know, like, I'm not here to have sex with you. Like I've had enough sex in my life. I'm good. Like I know how beautiful sex is. I know what sex has to offer. I'm looking for a partnership with you. You know, can, like, are you, you know, capable to walk beside me? And, um, yeah, I think that's where, that's the kind of intimacy and that's the chapter of my life that I'm walking in. I don't know that it's an age thing for me. I think it's like, I I don't look at the quantity of time. I look more at the quality of experiences. And I think that I've often gone into experiences like hooking up. Like I want to have as much sex as many times as possible with people that I might not, you know, see often. Right. And that feels like unlimited fries (laughs) like that's what it feels like i'm at this restaurant they're gonna kick me out after like two hours so i'm gonna eat all the fries that i can eat right versus you know you and you do that from like various restaurants each person may represent a different item on a menu right but to have like a wholesome connection that brews up like sex aside, I I think there's something to be said for delayed gratification. And this is something that I'm gonna talk about in the solo episode because I've been doing that for myself. I've not been uh, on social media unless I'm on Wi-Fi, which means I'm either at home or I'm somewhere working so that I can associate social media with work. Like people send me memes all the time. I might see it and watch it, I might not, but it feels so good to be out in the world and maybe I'll take a picture or a video or something. I'm like, Oh, that's nice. I want to post that. And then by the time I get back on Wi-Fi, when I can post it, I just don't. And the reason being that I don't need or want that superficial or artificial taste of validation through me posting something and people liking it or commenting about like my physical appearance or something starting a conversation right and yeah i find myself just not doing that but what i have found myself doing is like with you know someone that i'm seeing i'm i'll share a thing with this person and just them responding to it just like feels different than the quantity of likes or responses or comments coming from me posting it online and pulling myself out of the present moment by doing that versus being present with this person and just sharing this with that person like that's intimacy even if they're like oh that's cute you know or if they were to just like the message right it just it it hits different i think it goes back to that full meal versus unlimited fries or drive-through food right Yes, absolutely. And I think it's also self-control. Like, yeah. like oh, oh my goodness, the guy who I, I don't know if we got into this, but I was ghosted last week. I got the guy that went out of town to pursue me, yada, yada. I kept, I kept him at 50 feet. Like, okay, so I disclosed my status and the guy becomes like, well, he already was like an 
don't go over to a guy's house, okay? Don't disclose at a guy's house, okay? The guy thinks that you're his property, I feel like. As soon as you're in his space, it's like game on. Go to a safe space. Go to a public place. Make sure you plan this in advance. I know this obviously, but for all the ladies out there, gosh, the guy was like an animal. Like, and he was so handsome. I'm like, goodness gracious, like can you just act like you've done this before? Like, he was, I mean, probably, if I may say so, I don't know, like, uh, well, I'm risking for the biscuit. I mean, a two-second man, how embarrassing. And I'm, <laughs> I used to, I used to have such an insecurity around, like, around that until being told that, like, I have sex for too long, but there were songs about it growing up. It was like, I don't want no one minute, man. It was like, yo, I'm not coming fast. This is just never going to be a thing. No, listen, the guy could probably have, could have probably like jacked off like five times the day before. And let's just say he was so attracted to me and I withheld for so long that he just couldn't help himself. And they got lucky for him. He came twice that night, but like, gosh, he had zero interest in my orgasm, and it was so disappointing. And, like, I'm pretty sure he was, like, in such utter desperation. You know, he was like, oh, gosh, like, I don't want to have burpees, but, like, I do like this girl, so. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Amazing. Sorry, I don't know if that was, like... Should we start? I feel like we should like label this like, um, you know, X-rated. <laughs> you you are definitely. I don't know. Like maybe it's the wine because you definitely started loosening up in your body language and like how you're talking and what you're saying and everything. So that's nice. It, it shows me that you feel safer with the experience um, that you're sharing. Well, but, <laughs> yes, I have had only one glass of wine throughout this conversation. Um, but yeah, and my <laughs> yeah. yeah, so. Um, well, we already broke that one hour uh, barrier, and I want to be mindful of your time. So um, I want to ask, is there anything that you want to leave us with that maybe I haven't asked you that you wanted to touch on at all? Yeah, I mean, like, I think, oh, gosh, I think it is what I take away. I'm so glad that we connected today, Courtney. And I have been struggling. We didn't really talk about the fact that I was struggling from my most recent experience. Yeah, let's talk about but, it then. Yeah, okay. If you have time on this beautiful Mother's Day. Um, <laughs> I think that, you know, I take personal responsibility for engaging in sex after that conversation. Um, I think what is so important for women like me is, you know, know your self-worth like your worth is important and you're still valued and you're still loved and I I think I, I still I struggle with that and I it's all it's a opportunity for growth and I want to be there for women who tend to forget that they are still worthy and they're still valued and they're still loved because of this diagnosis and um uphold your boundaries it doesn't matter like Women, even without this diagnosis, don't want to sleep with men just for the sake of sleeping with men. 
Um, but without upholding our boundaries, sometimes men will take it and use it to their advantage. Figure out what you want. What's your goal in a relationship? Are you looking for true intimacy with someone that doesn't necessarily involve having sex so soon? That means withholding and abstaining and getting to truly know somebody and what their long-term desires are. That sounds very like anti-feminist. Is that would you is that would you say is that? that? I don't know. I'm not up with this whole like political whatever feminism is these days. Like, well, yeah, because it's like you you very much strike me as a very traditional <laughs> woman. Um, it sounds like very few sex partners. You want to be in a relationship before you have sex. You have that self self control that self um self-control maybe not be the word what's the word i'm looking for self-restraint that's the word i was looking for so you have self-restraint and you exercise that and you have men pursue you and i think that the way many of the women that i talk to like they're like no one's going to want to have sex with me and the priority is sex it's not relationships like your priority is relationship and then sex right Uh so absolutely all right, so just yeah, I, these are these are the kinds of questions that I'm asking now because like I see I speak to women who are not um, happy with their sex life because they're actually not happy with their relationship life. If that makes sense, like it's very it's very rare that I hear someone who's in a relationship say oh, I'm not happy with my sex life, but that's something that communication typically will help. But if you're not happy with your sex life because you're not in any type of relationships, like for me, I hate one night stands. I don't, I don't do one night stands because sex gets better over time. Like I will enter, I've entered in the past like casual things, but those casual things have become super inconsistent. And I think that it really took for me to just wake up one day and be like, okay, I am very much conflicting with my values of consistency and reciprocity and transparency. Like these are things that are important to me in relationships. So I don't want to be with anybody who's going to be inconsistent. I don't want to be with anybody who can't be transparent. And so I had to stop welcoming in those relationships for that artificial intimacy of that was sex and start to like, I don't want to say like close myself off of it, but open myself up to something more and be able to really identify like hey here's where we are with this this is what I want and then this is what I want with you and then be bold enough to have that conversation and very it's been very much respected and valued and appreciated um, a lot more than I would have thought because I thought again before I had to play this game and I want to shout out um, my friend Erica who listens to this podcast she's the first person to tell me she's like well Courtney what if you just don't play that game and since not playing that game, it's been a completely different experience for me because even if the relationships um, that I've had since making that decision have an expiration date on them, they've been beautiful experiences where I felt very connected to and like genuine intimacy in those moments. Yeah. Amen. Like we, every experience that we encounter is, is meant for us. And there's, there's opportunity to grow, to learn, to love more. And I can say that I have been genuine, like this past week has been hard. 
you know, like I, whether it was because I slept with him too soon or because he's afraid of having sex without a condom at some point, like, I don't know. But what I can say is the people will stick around, will love. And for as long as I did know him and spend time with him, it was a great thing. And I did enjoy it. And I did um, take a lot of, of love away from that. And it's okay if, if I'm served with a little rejection, maybe that's what God, maybe that's what God wants for me. You know, like maybe that's, you know, suck it up buttercup. Like not everybody's going to love you. Like, and that's okay. I called my dad. I literally called my dad. Okay. I'm way too old to be calling my dad for matters like this. Don't care. Not a time limit for me. Called dad. I was like, listen, bro, I need help. (laughs) And he goes, girl, like I finally disclosed to my parents after like my NDA was up and I was like I need help like I'm struggling it breaks my heart and he's like girl keep trucking the right people will love you the right people won't leave pick yourself up by the bootstraps and keep going Mm -hmm. and like that's like everybody needs some fatherly encouragement like that once in a while like rejection is you know God's protection if that person, you know, didn't doesn't continue to be in your life for whatever reason, cherish the time that you did spend together and keep going and refocus. Refocus on how you want to find that conscious communication and ask, you know, your higher power, God, whomever you believe in, the universe, you know, for the willingness to find that. And to know what it is to be like more loving, more selfless, more kind, more tolerant. Like that's that's really putting this into practice because it's it's a journey. Like we go through really hard things in life. Like this is just one of our many bumps in the road. We will continue to experience more. And how good are we at you know picking ourselves up by the bootstraps and saying, okay, like this is going to make me stronger. This is going to help me, you know, get in line with what I truly want for my future and be more laser focused on upholding my boundaries and my self-worth is growing because I know that all things work out for good. Your goodness and mercy will follow us the rest of our days. We stay laser focused on that. Amen. Amen. Uh, today's Mother's Day that we're recording this, and I think that that's important to mention. This will probably be out in three weeks or four weeks from now. Um, but I was speaking to my grandmother today, and we were talking about relationships. And um, my great-grandmother said to me, she said, don't go looking for no woman. Ask God, seek God, and then you will, like, God will give you a woman. And so, like... It's it's such a funny thing because I'm, I think about like how I met the person that I'm like talking to now, and it wasn't through any type of pursuit. It was just like a it was just a becoming receptive to what's coming in, and I had to do some decluttering. Like I gotta I have, I make a lot of sex tapes in my phone. Like I got a lot of videos. Had had let me say that because I started deleting them. I was like, all right, let me declutter my life. Um, let me get rid of these attachments here. And I still got like four left that I gotta go through. I'm I'm, I'm holding on ah. to these, but I gotta I gotta let them go. I gotta let them go. 
but from that to um some of the relationships that i was having where it was just like using their body to masturbate right um people have kind of like dwindled away and i just kind of let them and then i've had to just like end some relationships and i recognize that these were things that were cluttering my ability and my availability to connect to what was for me and I'm sharing this because it doesn't always necessarily have to look like a spiritual practice of getting on your knees putting your hands together and going dear God say what you got to say and then say amen but whatever your spiritual practice whatever it is it's really just you being connected to that divine core essence of yourself when you shut off everything else that's coming in and you're able to be in stillness and identify what it is that you want because for me like I decided like I want presence I want a present relationship and so being able to connect with myself and say that and be able to declutter things that aren't a present relationship I think that that welcomed in something that at least right now looks to be a very present relationship right so I I offer that to people who might think to themselves oh you know why am I struggling with these things the only reason that we might be struggling a lot harder like everything that we struggle for that we want is always worth it again the reward for risking rejection is connection it's intimacy if you want that you can have that but you got to be willing to deal with that struggle and that struggle is going to look like some uh some very strong self uh, what's the word i'm looking for i forgot i said it earlier and i always forget what it is but like being able to um being able to say no and there's a word for it yeah. why i'm not thinking of it boundaries yeah. self-control self-control damn i don't know why i couldn't say <laughs> self-control um, what's that word i can never get it right exactly yeah, Control. don't write it down <laughs> oh managing your impulses like impulse control that's good. what it is yes that's very good and it goes just back down to that it comes down back down to instant gratification like so much i don't think maybe it's not hookup culture it's actually instant gratification that uh has like diminished the value of um intimacy and like beat us down to the point where like i see women post that like this guy opened the door for me this guy paid for dinner this guy called me when he said he would and it's like damn dude that's the bare minimum like we're <laughs> you know, and yeah you got dudes chasing you for a month and a half and six <laughs> dates before they even get a kiss right and the these <laughs> women are like this guy just fucked me and chucked me like what's going oh. on And I think that it's really about alignments. I think a lot of people do things without even asking themselves, why am I doing this thing that I'm doing? And is this even getting me close to the outcome that I want? And if people aren't, if people genuinely want that outcome, they're going to continue to do the patterns and behaviors that get them toward that outcome. But if you recognize, okay, I don't want this outcome. And then you start to change your behavior, you're going to get something different. But like if there is something that you clearly want, you got to you got to be committed to it and keep doing what you want and not allow for yourself to reset by doing what you don't want or um, adapting yourself to what you don't want. Like if you want a relationship, you know, stop playing the dating game. If you want to date, don't be in a relationship. I see so many conflicts with that um, in people that I speak to, at least in regards to herpes. Yeah, I, I, we have the opportunity, regardless of our diagnosis, to build a beautiful future for ourselves. You know, if if that 
whatever that looks like. It, and it all comes down to our level of self-awareness and self-worth. If you don't want to be, you know, for lack of a better word, also hilarious, fact and checked, don't allow yourself. And we will go through tests. We will go through opportunities, uh, you know, that you know, our higher power God is saying, okay, you don't want, this isn't, this isn't the reality that you want. Well, here's your opportunity to prove it. And where I messed up last week is I had the opportunity to walk out the door and I didn't. Mm. And so I take personal accountability and I say, thank you for this opportunity to learn that what, what it looked like to uphold my boundaries and to not people please with this diagnosis is walking out out the door when a guy is getting too aggressive and saying, I've told you once, I've told you twice, it's the third time, and now I'm leaving. That's it. Yeah. And so I, although like the rejection of that I feel today is here, I look, I can look back and say, wow, that was a tremendous test. And I have some growing to do. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. And I love your grandma. I'm like, can we get your grandma on a three-way call? Because grandma knows what's up. You want a, you want a man, you want a woman. Seek God first in all things. Because it's not about, it's not about, you know, finding it in someone else. It's about finding it within ourselves first. Whatever we're looking for to be fulfilled in someone else should first be fulfilled within us. And that's through God, our higher power, universe, whomever we believe in. And like that's that's a, that's a solution aside from overcoming and, and being willing to help somebody else. I don't know. I can't whisper dirty things into my own ear. So I don't know that I can find that within myself. <laughs> yeah, so we got a little bit of let's let's. No, my God, are you kidding me? That's what affirmations are for. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> I was trying to just end this on the joke. You're like, no, no, no. Actually, affirmations, affirmations. <laughs> we forgot. We forgot. Uh, all right. Well, um, this was great. I very much appreciate your time. We went over. I usually keep these under an hour, but this was very much worth it. Um, I appreciate your willingness to share the experience about the NDA and talking about assault and sharing so much of your own personal experiences. Um, and yeah allowing for me to tease a couple of other things that I want to cover. But uh, yeah, we're headed, we're almost at episode 300 numerically. Like I've recorded over 300 episodes, but this will be like 290 something. And to look back on this and be like, damn, y'all started this in 2017. Like I remember, yeah, I very much remember like going into non-monogamous relationships and open dating and just enjoying being able to hook up and all that and throughout the course like I remember I took a break from social media and when I wasn't on social media it was like I didn't have that external yelling in my ear so to speak so I was able to sit with like what do I want and it's like oh well I don't see anything telling me anything about family right like I I don't see any content that's like gearing me in the direction of that and that's kind of where the whole you get better at dating when you date um, and people who are good at dating are not very good at relationships I think it got me that that was sort of around the time that that started to think for me I was like well 
if I want to have a family, like I need to get better at having a family uh, and practicing that. So, yeah, um, the timing yes. of this conversation is very beautiful. And I think that it shows, you know, not just my own growth and development over the last six years, but also, you know, that extends into the podcast. Like I'm not going to shut people off from dating the way they want to date or doing what they want to do or living the way that they want to live by any means. But I recognize that um, it is important to show the real experiences of people and being able to inject pieces of myself into this because that's where I'm at. Like I mentioned, I'm going to be in Portland until the end of May. And then when I move home in June, like my priorities have significantly shifted. I'm moving back home for myself and to get myself situated and in order because I don't foresee myself being able to do that here in Portland, Oregon. So I'm getting closer to my family and being around my friends and really tripling down because I doubled down on uh, something positive when I moved to Portland and it's worked out. So now it's a matter of tripling down on something positive for positive people because I would like for this to be my full-time career. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Yeah, I think too, like it just goes back, like you're you were stepping into your authentic self, you know what I mean? And truth, honesty, and vulnerability is, you know, stepping into your authentic self and not living in shame or uh, non-disclosure. It's so important, you know, when you want something, if right now what you're wanting is a family, the ability to write it down, to proclaim it, to get stand firm and what your goals are it's not just about career goals you know it's about relationship goals what you what you want you know, for your future in every aspect and you can write it down and ask for it and align with your self-worth and your vulnerability and it's possible all things are possible thank you i appreciate that hey courtney i'm proud of you oh thank you or <laughs> Hey, that's dirty talk for me. You got don't say that. Don't you can't tell me you're proud of me. Like that's that's my dirty talk. Those are like very the affirmations thing is so oh, big oh, to oh, me. Oh, it's like oh my god, yeah, you just yeah yeah. It's uh future got a song called Misogyny, and uh, ah. that's part of the that's part of the song. Uh, he's like tell me you're proud of me every time I come through and I hit. I was like oh I feel that I resonate so much, <laughs> but. No, this was really, really, really good. I'm excited about this podcast episode. Um, you and I'll be in touch. I'll let you know when it releases, so you can listen to it and uh, do whatever you want with it. Uh, but yeah, are there any last words? I know I asked you that earlier. You kind of shared some stuff. So, what you got? I just, I just want to express my gratitude for you. And yeah, I think it is like what you're doing is so important. You've been doing it for a while, and that just displays like your dedication. I think that's one of the most important things is, you know, your dedication to your passion, your purpose, you know, it never give up because there's fruit at the end of that. And that goes for all things, no matter what we're striving for. So I commend you and I thank you for your time. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, I was playing Call of Duty when we were texting and that's why I was like, I can't talk right now. <laughs> uh, but then I got hungry. I told my friends, I was like, yeah, I'll take a break and I got to do this podcast. And so, yeah, like that's the kind of shit I got to do. Like I got to be that flexible because like people will be so willing to share their experiences. Like if you don't get them right then and there, I'm always on other people's time. If you don't get people right when they're ready to do it, like 
I'll be chasing them around for forever. They'll miss the next time or reschedule and I'll never hear from them again or they'll get a boyfriend and then they don't need to do this anymore. So it's like there's so many moving components to running this podcast. And I think like people, people may think I'm busy and not want to reach out or not want to, you know, connect with me. But it's like, I'm, I'm going to always be doing something. It's just a matter of prioritization. Like I chose to prioritize this now because I had something that I could deprioritize, which was me playing Call of Duty. So that, yeah, like this is, <laughs> this is the path I'm on. Um, I'm very much passionate about what it is that I'm doing. And while things are changing with something positive for positive people, I think that that's just as a result of my own growth. Like this isn't exclusively about herpes anymore. This is more about the communication piece and how you mentioned conscious communication. That's something that you got after your herpes diagnosis. I truly believe that when we are able to integrate the lessons from what I'm learning through something positive for positive people into our sex education and STD prevention efforts, we're gonna see significant declines in new STI transmissions. Like we will, because people are going to be willing and able to talk about their sexual health and understand that herpes isn't tested for and that if they really want to know if someone has herpes, they need to ask that they get this particular test and that they show these results, you know, like not to become, you know, super militant, but going results, get militant, baby. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's something you can do, but I I don't, I, I honestly don't. I don't believe that a lot of people will do that and that's fine but i want for people to be accepting of the outcomes because otherwise it's going to have a negative impact on their mental health and then it's going to have a negative impact on their behavior and then we end up somewhere around that cycle someone reaches out to me all when this could have been avoided if these lived experiences are met with these people and the communication i'm sorry the communication that comes from these lived experiences are integrated in people's sex education. I think that I'll hear from a lot less people and then I can close this out and move on to the next thing that's for me. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, that's super cool. I stand behind you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm going to be texting you affirmations all day. Don't you worry, Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. All right, that concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, share, subscribe to, and donate to this organization. I mentioned the integration of these lived experiences and the communication skills that are developed after someone's diagnosed with an SCI are what's going to be necessary in STI minimization by integrating these things into STD prevention efforts and earlier sex education. Like we're learning how to navigate relationships. Like our guest said today with boundaries of people who want to push those boundaries, being able to stop them from doing that, being able to say, Hey, no, and mean no, and get up and leave and have the tools and the communication skills, not just with them, but also yourself to be able to stand firm in what your boundaries are. I think that is very important and as you've heard like this show's evolving I'm growing I'm evolving so maybe things are gonna sound a little bit different but that should be expected like I've been doing it since 2017 it's 2023 like life circumstances have changed for me my values and what I align with has become a lot more clear for me and yeah you're I'm going to do my best to give more of that but I'm also gonna need something from y'all man I'm, I'm gonna need your support and it's not just gonna be a matter of um listening to the podcast or just like 
you know, I, I'm going to need like more involvement. You know, if y'all are connected to universities or places where I can give a talk and be paid for that, or um, if you know people and you can share these resources with them who have access to funding to some extent, like, let me know. Like, I'm doing this on my own. I've been doing it for six years on my own. I've been able to do enough, but there's so much more that can be done if I just have the support of the community. And um, on an upcoming episode, I'll be... Uh, yeah, I'll be talking a little more shit about that as well because I'm very disappointed with uh, the herpes support groups out there and the spaces that are supposed to be helpful to us. So, yeah, you'll hear about that in an upcoming episode. But till next time, uh, I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.